Hey, welcome back to another episode of 27,000 Days. My name is Liv, and I just want to take a quick second to say thank you to everyone who's been tuning in and listening to my stories over the past few weeks. I really appreciate it. This week, I'm going to talk a little bit about one of my most recent adventures near Asheville. I ended up a couple weeks ago going out to this place off of uh, the Blue Ridge Parkway in Pisgah National Forest called the Cradle of Forestry. I thought it was really cool. I honestly did not know what to expect and I had accidentally stumbled upon it one day a few weeks back and decided that I needed to go back out there and explore. So this episode is going to be a as I'd like to say, a little bit of a lesson in forestry. Side note, I don't know anything about forestry. This is just what I learned at my time at the Cradle of Forestry and what I found to be really interesting. I really enjoyed it. I love history. So anyways, enough of that. Let's just get right into it. Okay, so like I said, I did not know that the Cradle of Forestry existed. I had no idea at all, but one day my boyfriend and I were driving down the Blue Ridge Parkway looking for some hiking trails and we ended up stumbling upon it, actually pulling off into the parking lot outside of the guest center just to pull up some directions and figure out where we were supposed to go. But while we were there, I just was fascinated by everything that I saw and what it seemed like was offered with the exhibits and the hiking trails. So I just kind of made a mental note to myself and decided that I was going to go back, which I ended up doing exactly a week later. So a big part of this episode is just going to be the history behind the Cradle of Forestry because there is so much and I was fascinated by it. So the Cradle of Forestry is often referred to as the birthplace of modern forestry in America. It's nestled right in the Pisgah National Forest, right off the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, It was the original campus for the Biltmore Forest School, which opened in 1898 and then officially closed its doors in 1914. And I thought that was really cool to be able to go to a place that still worked very hard to preserve the campus of the original School of Forestry. Now, the Cradle of Forestry, how it is today, where you can go to the guest center, you can go to the exhibits, you can walk the trails, you can see some of the old buildings, that uh, became a thing and opened its doors in 1972. So this is definitely not a new thing. They've been thriving for a very long time. But Okay, so back to the Biltmore Forest School, because that's a huge part of the Cradle of Forestry is honoring the legacy of this school. Uh, This was the first school of forestry in the U.S., and it was founded by Dr. Carl Schenk. He was from Germany, and he was joined with, or he was joined by George Vanderbilt, who at the time what had owned the land and was overseeing the building of his Biltmore estate up in Asheville, which I, I think I mentioned it a couple episodes ago, but that it's like a castle. It's amazing. I'm going to do an episode on the Biltmore because there's so much to talk about with that. It's just absolutely amazing. But 
Vanderbilt reached out to Dr. Shank because he was trying, along with many other conservationists, trying to bring back the flourishing forests of the Blue Ridge Mountain Range because, you know, with the big timber boom, so much of that was lost and they really were working towards changing that and saving our lands and our environment and our trees. So Vanderbilt, like I said, reached out to Dr. Shank and asked him to come over to the U.S. and he agreed and they started the school and this is where he was able to introduce new and practical forestry techniques to the U.S. and he relied and recruited or he relied on and recruited the help of local men, usually young men who were interested in a forestry apprenticeship which was kind of cool. Like they were given the opportunity to get to know the land. And because of this, Shank was able to establish a school. Like I said, Vanderbilt was supporting and encouraging us the entire time. And the school was established using old abandoned farm buildings and settlers buildings from when um, the land was being worked by settlers for Vanderbilt and you know before then and then the school officially opened its doors September 1st 1898 and it got its title for school of forestry in the U.S. Now what I thought was really interesting were was the you know requirements to attend. Now all they really required was that you had graduated from high school and that was it. But once you got in, it became very strict and very enforced that you were able to maintain your grades and everything like that. And if you were falling behind or you weren't able to keep up, then you were asked to leave. Now, another thing that I just thought was very interesting, but in the acceptance and welcome letters that would be sent out to these young men who were getting ready to start schooling with the School of Forestry, they were simply informed to bring a horse and an open mind to whatever they were going to learn. Now, I think that is really, really cool. Not, I mean, the horse part, yeah, that's pretty cool. But the fact that an open mind was included in the letter, because yeah, I feel like walking into this industry, walking into the first school of forestry in the U.S., these young men didn't know what they were walking into. They didn't know what it was going to be like, and it was so important for them to keep an open mind. And those that did seem to have found so much success and happiness and really just incredible experiences, or so it seemed from what I learned from my time at the Cradle of Forestry. Now, tuition for this school was actually pretty expensive for the time. It was $200 a year. So because it was so expensive, you know, students, they largely came from wealthier families and the families, and this makes sense, but the families were usually part of the logging and timber industry. So it it's interesting, you know, it was a almost a generational thing. These students were learning from their families before them to work on conserving the land and they were just continuing out that legacy. Now, what did a typical day look like at the School of Forestry? 
it seemed like it was a mix. So the mornings were full of classroom lectures and hands-on forestry experience followed. So they would go to the classroom and then have lunch. And from there, they'd actually go out and work in the forests around them and learn as much as they could. Of course, every school that you are, you know, attending and needing to take your horse to get to is going to have lodging. This one, like I said, was established using old abandoned farm buildings, settlers' buildings. So students were quite literally told when they got there to find yourself a place to stay. So it really came down to wherever they could find a place to lay their head at night, that's where they went. Whether it was, you know, bunking with one of the rangers or staying in one of the old rundown buildings, they, they just had to make it work. Now, and it seemed like for a lot of these, these students, they weren't used to this. Like I said, they came from wealthier families and this was a totally different experience for them, having to figure out a place to stay and the options being pretty much abandoned buildings. It's just, it's a very interesting concept to think about. Could you imagine, I can't imagine going to school, like if I pulled up to, you know, where I went to college and my advisor or my, the president of the school looked at me and said, okay, well, find yourself a place to stay. Good luck. That's just, it's just crazy. It's a crazy concept, but they made it work. So I guess, I guess that's good for them. (laughs) What I also learned, which I thought was kind of fun and, you know, gave the, the stories from the past that gave them personality and gave, you know, these nameless men, you know, they made, it made it a little bit more relatable, but I guess apparently they were a rowdy bunch and they drank a lot and you can actually go to, through one of the exhibits, you can listen to some of their drinking songs. And like I said, they were rowdy and oftentimes got in trouble for disrupting the peace. And one of the things that I thought was funny was that actually I I believe the police had been called at one point because they had just gotten way out of hand and they ended up telling Dr. Shank that if he could not get his boys under control, they would be closing the school because they were just crazy. So thought that was kind of funny. And then I think the other important thing which made the school in and of itself unique and really just a cool place was the fact that, you know, Dr. Shank, he built really strong relationships and friendships with his students and became almost like a legendary figure to them. And that energy is still felt when you're walking through the old campus and you're walking through the exhibits and you're watching the documentary that's offered at the guest center. You can still feel that camaraderie and the fact that you know, there was a group of people out here working towards the same thing, working towards bettering our planet and making it a incredible place to live for generations to come and really changing the way that we view the world around us. So I think that just humanizes these people from the past that, you know, we can only learn about through old black and white pictures and documents I just thought it was really neat to get to learn and see how much 
these students really honored and respected Dr. Shank and the work that he was doing. And yeah, they were rowdy and kind of crazy sometimes, but they were all out there for the same purpose, which I don't know. I thought that was kind of, it was kind of a fun thing to get to see and read about. And like I said, listening to the drinking songs was just, it was cool. It was really, really cool. Now in November of 1908 is, uh, that's when the Biltmore Forest Fair was held. It was a three-day affair. It celebrated the 10th anniversary of the Biltmore Forest School. It showed off not only the school, but also the lessons that, you know, were being taught about logging operations, planting techniques, seed regeneration, and even soil composition. And really diving into the new, like I said, new practical and modern ways of forestry that were being introduced to the U.S., the uh, fair was included and written about in the American Lumberman, which was a magazine. And actually, the magazine wrote that the festival was the start of a new epic in American forestry. So this was something that everybody was talking about. And there was so much potential and so much growth that was going to be coming from this. Like I said in the beginning, the school ended up officially closing its doors in 1914. So when World War I hit, Dr. Schenck was called back to Germany. And, you know, he, he never reopened his school once the war ended, but he still found time to lecture in Europe and the U.S. And he still worked towards protecting our lands. And his legacy lived on. He ended up stating, which I actually, this quote, I just, I love this quote. I think it's very, it really, it really makes you think. And then it just, it's powerful. But anyway, so when asked about why the school was never reopened, he stated, Retrospectively, let me assert that the Biltmore Forest School died at the right time. It died when it had reached the apex of its career, be it man or tree or institution. It is better to die too early than too late. And, I mean, come on. That just... I think that's a very powerful message that a lot of us should consider and implement into the way that we think about things. So, with that being said, you know, even though the school closed and wasn't open for a ridiculously long amount of time, the legacy and the impact that it had on our country and just forestry in general is really, it's still seen today. And it's the impact that it's had has just been so beneficial and it's allowed for our forests to flourish. So I've mentioned a few times that there's an exhibit and then there's also the guest center, but at the guest center, you can also also go and watch a 20 minute documentary, which I thought was really interesting. I actually, when I first got there, considered not watching it, but one of the staff members told me that I really should. And I'm glad that I watched it before I went through the exhibit and before I went through the trails, because in all honesty, it really helps you not only appreciate the trails that you're walking on, but appreciate the buildings and the lives that had been lived there. 
it really the documentary really brings the the history to life and some of the shots that they have and the clips that they have of the mountains and everything oh it's just absolutely stunning so I was really glad that I did that and I definitely recommend that you watch the documentary it's just 20 minutes like I said it's fascinating and that's actually where I learned a lot that I just spoke about because I like I said didn't know anything before this so I learned a lot from that 20 minute documentary but yes I recommend watching that documentary before you go through the exhibit and then before you go on the trails, especially before you go on the trails because it really brings everything to life. The exhibit, really, it's a pretty small exhibit, but it does a pretty good job, you know, teaching about the past, the present, and the future of forestry. So along with the importance of leaving no trace, it really focuses on the beauty of our ecosystem and what we need to do and keep doing to maintain that beauty and help it flourish even more and then the exhibit also has on display some old forest and lumber equipment as well as other items from the school when it was there as well as the history and like I said you can go and listen to some of the old drinking songs that the students used to sing which was kind of cool to be able to sit there and listen I really liked that part of it and then like I said it just it the exhibit encompasses the U.S. Forest Service's mission to preserve and maintain our forest, just like Dr. Shank was doing along with Vanderbilt and every all the conservationists around at that time and still around today. It just it's an ongoing project. Okay, let's talk about the trails. Easily my favorite part. There are three different trails that you can go on and they range from like a mile long to 1.3 miles and they're on paved paths. So very doable for anyone and they're really short and super interesting. So the first trail, the Biltmore Campus Trail, basically takes you through the campus of America's first school of forestry. Like I said, it's a paved path, but it's lined with some of the original buildings. The first building that you encounter is the school, which that is the one building that is not original. It was replicated in 1965 by Biltmore alumni and friends, but right outside of the school is a rock called Plymouth Rock of Forestry, and it was dedicated to Dr. Shank, and it marked where the school was located. You can go into the building and it's replicated just like how it would have been back in the time of its use. They used documents and then also just referred to what former students said the school looked like. So I, I'm pretty sure it's a pretty accurate description and depiction of what the school did look like back in its heyday. So you go a little bit further down the path and you stumble onto the commissary, which is like the mercantile, and this is where students would stop for lunch. And I thought this was really interesting, but you could see what lunch would consist of. So usually lunch would be like hoop cheese, pork and beans, and a can of peaches. And that was pretty typical back then. So students would go and get lunch, and then, you know, they had the yard out front so they could play games. And then the inside of the actual building nowadays is set up, you know, pretty similar to how it would have been set up then. And 
you can look and you can see a checkers board set up on top of a barrel. There's an old wagon out front with, like I said, a recreational area where students would go on their lunch break, lunch break and play games and hang out and, like I said, be a little bit rowdy. <laughs> a little bit uh, further across the way is one of the rangers' dwellings. And this building was actually built in 1882 and it's two stories which this, is, this was important and beneficial because eight students were able to be housed on the top floor. So if you remember, they were told when they got there, find yourself a place to stay. So these eight students made it work living with uh, George Gillespie's family. And the outside of the house, there's a garden, and this garden became a seedling nursery. So wherever they could learn and wherever they could you know practice these new forestry techniques they did now I was really bummed because this building was actually closed when I was there so I didn't get to go inside but the outside was it was beautiful there were also other rangers dwellings that were you know occupied by rangers who had been hired to protect the campus from thieves a little bit further down the road is Dr. Shank's office. Again, this is where he would have meetings and occasionally, you know, meet with students. He was there lesson planning, late hours, really putting his heart and soul into what he was teaching and his philosophy on saving our forests. Now, a little bit further down the path, you stumble upon the blacksmith shop. There were two blacksmiths that would come out to the campus to help with logging equipment, horseshoes, you know, all the necessary things that would be needed in order to run a school. And then the lodging. Like I said, some people were staying in rangers' dwellings, rangers' cabins, but others were staying in the old settlers' cabins. And there's actually one that you can go in this one is called Hellhole, which I <laughs> got a good laugh out of because I just, I, it's just funny thinking that you would call the place where you go to bed at night Hellhole. But like I said, they were abandoned buildings and a lot of these students were not used to this rough lifestyle of living because they did come from wealthier families. But yeah, so a lot of the old cabins or old lodgings had names like hellhole there was nat hollow rest for the wicked and they just the the names describe the type of place that they were living in i really really enjoyed that first trail but i love history and i love being able to go into old buildings and seeing them set up how they used to be i i actually used to volunteer at one of those you know live history museums where you would dress up in period clothing and stand there and give people tours or teach them how to play games and I've always been fascinated by that ever since I was little but it's it's funny because when I went on that trail they had told me the staff had told me that it was probably going to rain and hopefully I wouldn't get caught in the rain but if I did I could stand under some of the old buildings well, I got about maybe five minutes into the trail and it started downpouring, 
to the point where I just, I was absolutely soaked. I was in between buildings, so I didn't get a chance to go stand under any of the awnings. So I just was stuck in the rain. And I debated for a second turning back and going back to the guest center and just kind of giving up on my adventure for that day and coming back a few weeks later. But I then realized that I was already drenched. So why not just continue on the one mile trail and see all the old buildings? And since it was raining, I probably was going to have all of it to myself, which was really awesome because I, I did. And I got to take my time standing in the old buildings and taking it in and getting to see what everything looked like. And I, I pretended a little bit that oh, what would my day look like if I were a student at this school and I was going from the classroom to Dr. Shank's office and onward to the blacksmith shop and so on and so forth. I just, I really liked being able to be on the trail by myself. So I'm sure it would have been nicer if it wasn't, you know, full on downpour, but it was still worth it and it was still really cool getting to walk through it in the rain. The drive home was not so fun, but the the hike, well, and it's not even really a hike, it's just a walk, but the walk was, it was worth it, it was cool. And there are two other trails, actually. The second trail is the Forest Festival Trail and this one, much like the entire Cradle of Forestry, but this one in particular really encaptures the past and present of forestry. So while you walk the trail, you get to see tree plantations and old antique forestry equipment, and you can ring the bell on the logging train. And it it really, all of the trails do a great job of sucking you back in time. But this one, getting to see the old equipment is really, it's it's a neat thing to see. And then trail three is called the Forest Discovery Trail. And this one, you know, the whole point of this trail is to simply be surrounded in the beauty of the woods. And as they say at the Cradle of Forestry, you're there to make your own forestry stories, your own forestry experience. And you get to do that by walking on this path or sitting on some of the benches and taking in the beautiful, lush, forest around you. I really enjoyed that each of these trails offered a glimpse into the past, but then also really had you thinking about where we are now and where we're going to be in the future. Obviously, if you can't tell, my favorite trail was the first trail, so the campus trail, because like I said, I love the old buildings and I love the history, but the other trails are worth it too, and you can learn so much on all of them. So I think one of my favorite things about the Cradle of Forestry was how inclusive it is for everyone, how there's something for every single person there. You know, the paths are easy to walk and they're not super long. The exhibits are really fascinating and interactive and bring you in. There's also little exhibits and areas for children if you're bringing your kids there where, you know, they can play like how, you know, most museums have little play areas set up and the the whole section, including the play areas, just teaches the importance of 
preserving and protecting our planet. And then the documentary, I think, you know, the idea of forestry is not something that fascinates everyone. I mean, I would have said that I was not interested or at least was not very interested in it before I went and learned a little bit about it. Like, obviously, I I know that it's important to save the trees and save our ecosystems and everything, but I just didn't know the history of it. And that's where I was pulled in and that's where I thought it was fascinating. And I think it's important that we all take the time to learn about this because it's something that affects all of us, our entire lives, and it's going to affect all the generations to come. And we might as well, you know, continue and start working harder on making a difference in the world around us so that future generations have beautiful forests to look at and beautiful trails to go hiking on. And and then they can look back on the work that we've done and see how important it was and how impactful it was. And they can continue to make it better for everybody else. Now, like I said, when I went to the Cradle of Forestry, it was kind of just because I had stumbled upon it a week prior and didn't know much about it. And I want to talk about just that a little bit. The fact that I had randomly found this place that I knew nothing about and then a week later decided that I didn't have anything planned so I was just going to go out there and see what it was all about. Not really knowing, just knowing that the name of the place was called the Cradle of Forestry and they had some old historic buildings because I had driven by a couple of them when I had stopped in the parking lot. So I think that is such an important thing that more people would benefit from incorporating into their lives. I I know so many people who talk about not knowing what to do or not knowing how to spend their days off of work or wanting to make the most of their lives but not knowing how to. And I think that's a really great way to start. Just if there's a place that you've driven by multiple times or a place that you've driven by one time and you looked at it and you had a thought in your head thinking, huh, maybe I should go there sometime, then make the time and do it. And you may think about backing out or not following through with it, but you'll be thankful that you did. Because I told my boyfriend all day Saturday that I was going to go to the Cradle of Forestry on that Sunday. And then the day rolled around, I went grocery shopping, and he asked if I was going to go. And I hesitated for a second and said, you know what, actually, I don't think I'm going to go. And he actually told me that I had been talking about it and I had been excited about it, so I might as well go and give it a chance because there's no better time than now. And it was just a little thing, but I think that's an important way to look at the way that we live our lives and what we choose to do and what we choose not to do. So he was right, and I decided that even if it was going to be a total bust and I got out there and it wasn't worth my time, then... I was still going to be glad that I checked it off my list. Otherwise, I'd constantly be wondering if it would have been worth it to go to. And this one, this one really was. Like I said, you don't have to be the biggest forestry nerd 
to appreciate it. You'll learn something and it, it'll really make you think. Like I spent my whole car ride driving back thinking about how every little thing impacts our environment. Oh, and I also should mention, so it only costs $6 to get in, and I believe that occasionally they have days that are absolutely free. So for $6, it's it's even more worth it. And I just, yeah, I think it's a cool little thing. And you feel so, when you're out there, on at least the way I felt on all the trails, maybe that's because it was downpouring, but I felt so isolated like I knew that I was at a place where a ton of people had been and obviously there would be other people on the trails at some point but being surrounded by the tall tall trees and the old buildings and hearing just the sounds of nature and well for me the the rain uh, rushing to the ground it just it felt very isolating and it felt refreshing for a minute to just not have to worry about the rest of the world and what was going on and just being able to have a moment to be just by myself with the history that was surrounding me. So I think I could go on and on about all of my analytical, deep, philosophical thoughts about that and being on your own out in the middle of the woods and how everybody should do that at some point in their lives but the moral of it the moral of the story is that it's a cool experience I feel like I've said the word cool a lot in this episode but that's just the best way to describe it it was cool and it's worth it and it's worth the six dollars and you'll learn something new If it's not clear, I definitely recommend taking a little bit of time to go and explore the Cradle of Forestry. Even if it's 45 minutes to an hour, you'll be able to see so much and I promise that you will learn something that you did not know before and you're going to want to tell people about it because it's, it's important. It's not just this little silly museum on the side of the road, it's, it's our future and the future of generations to come. So definitely recommend it. Take a time to walk on the trails, especially the campus trail. If you're going to do one of the trails, do the campus trail. It's worth it. Go into the old buildings and really just, like Dr. Shank said to his students, have an open mind to what you're going to see and what you're going to learn. It's so, so important. Anyways, I hope this history lesson was as fascinating to you as it was to me because I just, I feel like there's so much more that I could talk about with it, but this is just the abridged version. Thank you so much for tuning in for another week, and I really appreciate it. I hope that the rest of the week goes well for anyone listening, and I can't wait to sit down and talk with you all again next week and share another story. Cheers to a good week and more stories to come. Thanks, guys.